James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, all right? And I'm going to do my best to break it up into uh, three kind of types of faith that people have, and while also going verse by verse. Uh, Brother Ralph, I mean it when I say it, that I, I love you, I look up to you, and thank you so much. I don't get to say it enough for setting such an example. Uh, I, I, could, I, can, I should say that every time I'm up here. really appreciate you. But the main point of what I'm going to be talking about tonight is biblical faith goes beyond how we talk and think. Biblical faith should determine how we walk and act. That's what biblical faith is. Your faith may start with intention, but it, it has to go through and it has to end, end up in application. It has to. Before we get into the Word, I read this great story about faith. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. So there's this widely told story that George Sweetening in his, in his book on James, How to Solve Conflicts, tells. It is a story of Charles Blondin. Um, this was back in the late 1800s. The great French daredevil and tightrope walker. That's a different kind of human that is a tightrope walker. I, I couldn't be that, that's for sure. But while performing on a cable across Niagara Falls... He asked his audience, how many believe I can walk across this tightrope while pushing a wheelbarrow? To which the people cheered loudly, and they were like, you know, just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. And then he was like, how many believe I can push a wheelbarrow across the cable with a man in it? And again, the, the, the crowd was just cheering and like, yeah, I believe you can do Yeah, we believe you can do that. Bolden then pointed at the most enthusiastic man he saw, and he said, you're my man, now get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> hey, squeaky wheel gets a grease. He, he got called out. My boy did exactly what you think he did, would do, is he peaced out. He got out of there. He wasn't about to get in that wheelbarrow. Saying the word wheelbarrow out loud, it sounds like I'm not saying it right. Am I saying it right, wheelbarrow? It just don't sound right. I guess I don't use that enough in my vernacular. I told her I wouldn't use any weird words. I'm so sorry. I don't even know if that's the right one. But, but here's the deal. We're going to take some time and talk about faith tonight. Many of us say we have faith, but what does that mean? Faith is probably the most used word in Christendom. It's used all the time. Got to have faith. Got to faith it till you make it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But faith is very important to God, and he clearly wants us to have it and exercise it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the word talks about, you know, what this means is that, you know, it's a whole soul trust when it talks about faith in God based on the sufficiency of evidence. 
So we know that we need to have faith, but God desires way more than us just proclaiming our faith. And that's when we get to James 2 and 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is such a difficult thing to read because it's real easy to say you have faith. It's real easy to, to talk a big talk, but it's sometimes really difficult to walk the walk, to act on your faith. And we're going to look at this first type of faith, and I like to call it faith that talks. And if you're taking notes, write that down, faith that talks. This is what Brother Ralph talked about. This is probably one of the most dangerous places that you can be is when you think you are too holy to reach down from your high place and deal with a dirty sinner. This is by far the most dangerous place to be, is that this is literally what we're called to do, what, who, who we're called to be. James issues a simple question in verse 14. It says, if a person says they have faith, but does not demonstrate it, can that faith save him? That's a really good question. And the question is framed in a way that, in the original text, that a, you would expect a negative answer from it. And this is like the person who would tell everyone that they would get into the wheelbarrow. But when given the chance, they're like, how about no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> they're all taught. Pastor said it last week, we can't have revelation without application. James is not talking about a person who has no faith, just a person who has no works that exhibit their faith. Will this type of faith save you? <laughs> Verbal faith or faith that talks is all talk and no walk. James, what he's doing is asking his reader if this kind of faith, does it really do anything for him? The KJV says, what profit do you have from this type of faith? And the NIV says, what good is it? What good is this kind of faith? It, it's making the point that, is this, even, is this kind of faith even worth anything? Is, is, the, is all, being all talk worth anything? And, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking in the mirror whenever I'm, I'm preaching this and teaching this. But the verbal faith or the faith that talks is the one in which we tell people we have faith in Jesus, but our life doesn't reflect it. Once again, we're not, we're not speaking of the person who is growing in their faith. We're, I'm talking about someone that is making no effort whatsoever to grow. A verbal faith is one in which we talk the talk, but we do not walk the walk. It is a faith in which we decide we are, we're, we're saved and that we believe in Jesus, but we do nothing or have little to show. We are given this example of a person who has this kind of faith. And in verse 15 and 16, James speaks of one who is in need. He speaks of an opportunity to be able to do something, to put that faith in action. That, that one's faith would lead them to do. And the one with this, this faith that talks, he's probably or she's probably going to say, 
wow, but I will pass on that opportunity to help you. But hey, good luck. Good luck getting fed. I'm praying that someone feeds you. I'm praying someone clothes you. You know, this coat that's on my back, I, I really, this is my favorite coat, you know, and I'm kind of on my way somewhere. I'm on my way to Starbucks, and I, I don't have time right now to give you the coat that's on my back, but hey, Jesus' name be blessed. 1 John 3 and 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? When we look at verse 17, James answers the question posed in verse 14. Can this kind of faith save you? Will it profit you? No, it, it won't, and it can't. This type of faith that is all talk and no walk, it doesn't do anything for us. James says that faith by itself is dead. And I'm getting somewhere with this. A tree is judged by the fruit it bears. Action is the fruit of a living faith, of a, of a saving faith. We have to have action behind our faith. We have to. Verses 19 through 20 of James says, But someone, someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that apart from works is useless? This next kind of faith is something that I struggle with, but it's faith that thinks. Faith that thinks. It's a, it's a faith that's, that stays up here. Going back to our opening story, this would be the kind of person that you know, knows that, that Blondin could take the wheelbarrow across the falls, but when asked to prove it, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to move. They're going to stay right where they're at. In verse 18, James issues a challenge as he wraps up the first point. He leads into the second. He says, you say you have faith. I have works. Show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. James is not saying that your works save you or no one in here can go to, go to chair, go work at like our daily bread and ham and and that's, that's going to save them or get them into heaven. By no means is that what James is saying here. But he's saying that you show me your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. And the way that we display our faith is through what we do. It's through what we do. What we say is important, what we think is important, but what we do is everything. And to further illustrate this, James hits us with an example in verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Why is this, why is this such an important part? Because in verse 19, James speaks of how there is one God. James is, you know, he's getting this directly. Uh, he's directing this to the Jews of the time, right? And the Jews of the time, what do they believe? They believe in the Torah, which is the Old Testament. And this is an Old Testament teaching. It was actually worn around them everywhere they went. It was called the Shema. And that's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Uh, I think it's actually like 6, 4 through 8. But Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 said, uh, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy might. We know this. We know that there is one God. We know that we should do what? Love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind, with everything in us. We know this. And it's really good to believe that. It's really good to believe in God. It's really good to believe in God's power. 
But now what does that belief lead you to do? Where does that belief take you? Where does that faith take you? How does it make an impact on those around you? A person must believe in God clearly, but everyone who acknowledges the existence of God has, made a, has not made a commitment to God. James tells us that even the demons believe they acknowledge the existence of God and at least acknowledge, and, and they makes, that knowledge makes them shudder with fear. Are, are you putting the pieces together? Even, even the demons believe. They believe in God. They believe in his power. They believe in, in I mean, they know Jesus. They, they know his name. James, he, he tells us all this, and even though they possess this knowledge, they chose not to be obedient to Jesus. And the behavior, their behavior demonstrates that someone can believe the right thing and still have an evil character. This just, this hits me. This hits hard. This hits hard because I believe, especially if, if you were raised in, in church, if you were raised in, in Pentecost, it, it's really great. We, 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 know, we know the word. We have the strongest doctrine, I believe, that there is. We, 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 know, it, we know it very, very well. But you can't just know it. You have to show it. You can't just know all about it. You have, to, you have to love the sinner. You have to reach for the sinner. A, a shepherd is going to smell like sheep. You, you're going you're gonna to have to get your hands dirty every now and then. And thank God we have a ministry like Revive that has taken place that isn't afraid to get their hands a little dirty. Isn't afraid to talk about things that no one else wants to talk about. This is, y'all ain't ready for this. Knowing a lot about Jesus and knowing Jesus are two very different things. I used to know every stat by Joe Montana and Steve Young that you could think of. I, I'm talking, I knew, I knew everything. I have forgot that over the years. Uh, I, I grew up watching NFL Network. I'd watch all like the replays. And I, I would know all the facts about the San Francisco 49ers and, and, you know, all this, who won a Super Bowl and what year and all that kind of stuff. But I can know everything I want to know about Joe Montana. But do I know Joe Montana? I do not know Joe Montana. Those of you that don't know, he's really the best quarterback that has ever lived, and it's really not debatable. Uh, but he, he sure, if I walked up to him and reached out my arms and gave him a hug, he'd pepper spray me because I don't know him, and he don't, he, he don't know me. I just know about him. But I'm going to read this again. Knowing a lot about Jesus and knowing Jesus are two different things. There are many people that have this type of faith, and, you, and I've been one of them at, that, at many points in my life, but they know the word inside and out, but they have no fruit to show for that word. They, they know the word, but they don't show the word. They know the word, but they don't speak the word, act the word, live the word. And I am just saying this from a standpoint of this is something that each and every one of us battle and deal with. Because we think that the pursuit of knowledge is, is going to help us and empower us and, and, and protect us. And it does all those things, but we, we can't hide our light under a bushel. That, that, that never produces anything. That never helps anybody. 
we have to, what is the old, we were singing songs earlier, Brother Ralph, uh, uh, I'm going to let it shine. If I started singing, I'd clear this place out. This little light of mine. Where's Pastor when you need him to sing, sing something for us? <laughs> but this is so important. This is, I, I'm going to go ahead and go on to verse, I don't have much time. Verse 21 through 26 says, or, or verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and that faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way or the spies. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The last thing I want to talk about is faith that walks. You can call this saving faith. This is real biblical faith. This is real biblical faith. The question that was in verse 20 sums it up. There's got to be more to faith than words or knowledge. We have to add something else to it. We have to add something else to it. Brother Ralph talked about it's all about God's will. That's how you pray. That's how we live our life. It's no one else's will matters the, the most that our mil, uh, will matters is us crushing it and us humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he can lift us up and that he can guide us and he can lead us to do his will, not our will. Our will gets us in trouble. Our will says that we're you know, better than everybody else. Our will, our will is not going to lead us in any good situations. I promise you that. But James goes to some of the uh, saints of old to illustrate a point. He talked about Abraham, his trust and faith in God. And uh, in Hebrews 11, the Hebrews Hall of Faith, Abraham is listed for his obedience to God. Not what he said or what he thought, but because he obeyed. When God spoke, Abraham moved. When God spoke, Abraham listened. When God spoke, Abraham obeyed. At the end of the day, to, the Bible says to obey is better than to sacrifice. You can, you can fast for 40 days like Jesus did. And that doesn't mean a hill of beans if you don't obey what God is telling you to do. What you, if you don't obey the word of God. And I'm telling you, if I fast for 40, day, 40 days and, and I found out it was a hill of beans because I didn't want to obey, I'd be very upset. I'd probably be a lot skinnier, but I would be extremely upset. I, don't, I, I think I would, I would just turn into a black hole if I fasted 40 days. I think if I fasted 40 days, my wife would agree, the Lord's coming back. So if you ever hear about me fasting 40 days, the Lord's coming back. I'm out in the woods eating locusts and honey or something. Something's going on. But in verse 24, James tells us that faith alone with works makes us right in God's sight. And I'm going to kind of skip ahead, but I, I really want us to understand and get this. When you think about who Jesus was and what Jesus did, Jesus was the, 
when, when Jesus was in, uh, in his flesh, that he put on that coat of flesh and dwelt among us, he, all throughout the Bible, would just be living and walking and talking and then stop and see somebody in need and have compassion on them and be moved with compassion. And that compassion didn't move him and just have this emotional moment and shed a tear and keep going. It moved him, and it always moved him toward the need. It always moved him toward the problem. It always moved him toward the pain, toward the situation. So when we're in our daily walk, or you know, just living life, it's not all about those mountaintop moments. There's going to be so many moments where we're just working, where we're just living life. And what we need to ask God is say, okay, Lord, help me to have compassion on my coworker. Help me have compassion on my family member, on my friends, on, on whoever I'm around, on the stranger on the side of the road. Whatever it is, help me to have compassion and not only move toward them to help them in some way, shape, or form, but I, before I can do that, I have to see it. I have to, it has to move me. It has to shake me. It has to convict me. I don't want to just hide and have all this in and of myself and never, never push it out anywhere, never pour out of anything God's poured into my life. I, I, I don't want that. Everybody, you can go ahead and stand. I'm coming to a close. I'm going to read a couple more scripture, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to end. I just, especially with what Brother Ralph talked about, I, I think it would be, when we, when we pray in just a little bit, I think that is a perfect thing to pray for, is that, of course, we want our faith to have action but that God would create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit within us, and that when we see the needy, when we see the hungry, when we see the hurting, when we see the addicted, that we are moved with compassion. And that compassion is what leads to miracles. That compassion is going to lead to miracles. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's true faith. Jesus spent his time on earth in the sacrifice of others. Jesus spent his time on earth praying, but not just praying. He, he, he prayed for people, and then he ministered to people. He prayed for people, and then he, he, he fed the 5,000. He always provided and took care of needs. So we're going to end tonight with prayer, and there's... I, don't, I didn't give them this scripture, but there's a, a scripture, and I think it's in like Psalms 97. The Bible, it says that, May the Lord God have favor on me and establish the work of my hands. And this was just in my spirit for tonight. I want us to pray that tonight, I, that the Lord would establish the work of our hands. Because it's not just about our head. It's not even about really our heart it's about what are we doing with our hand what what are we doing where's the action 
Where, where is, is, the, is the works? 